Welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am, well, excited, definitely not the right word for this one. I am here to discuss the Denver Nuggets loss to the Mavericks, final score 127-99. to This was a blowout. This was a horrible game in general. Uh, for the Nuggets, they... I think kept it pretty close in that first quarter, but Dallas really started to separate in that second quarter. They score 44 points in the second, and that was basically all she wrote. Denver had, like, they scored 27, 28, and 28 in each of the first three quarters, and it just did not matter because the Mavericks did not score fewer than 29 points in any of them. And when you put up a crooked number like 44, it's difficult for a lineup without... Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, Aaron Gordon, to reasonably compete with that. So no blame really goes around for this one. This was very much a circumstantial loss for what the Nuggets had to deal with at this particular moment. Everybody will look back at this one and think, yeah, that sucked. There there was no way that Denver could have seriously competed. And yet, the game counts. The game is played. Denver, they're hit with this bad luck. But they have to deal with it. This is one of those games that it's on the standings. Uh, Whether it was a four-point loss or a 28-point loss, it's still a loss. And the Nuggets are going to have to recover because they lost a game that they should probably have won against the Knicks. And had had they had even Aaron Gordon in that game, they probably would have taken the victory on Wednesday night. As it happens, now you don't have Aaron Gordon in addition to Jokic or Murray, and there's just no chance in this particular matchup. So look, it is what it is. The Nuggets are going to be fine. I have no questions about it long-term, but I am here to discuss what happened. We'll talk about what happened in the game in the first two segments, starters in the first segment, bench in the second. And then third segment, I want to expand a little bit about MPJ. Michael Porter has definitely had it rough, over the course of these past two games without Nikola Jokic. We're going to talk about why. We're going to talk about what are some solutions. And if this is just something that's say, like, is this something? Is this nothing? Or is this everything when it comes to MPJ and his long-term prospects for this Nuggets team? First, let's talk about this game. Let's talk about the starters. I think the place to start is with Porter. Uh, Bones Highland did not start tonight. Bruce Brown did. I thought that Bruce Brown had a really strong game in general, though it is definitely different when it comes to Bruce Brown playing the point guard position as it is with Jamal Murray or or Bones Highland or somebody like that. With Jokic, you obviously have a completely different thing altogether, but with Bruce Brown initiating the offense a lot of the time, sometimes things feel and look a little bit weird. And yet Denver, their their offense in the, with the with the starters, I thought they were okay. It was just a lot of missed shots, and Porter is definitely the main culprit there. Actually, every other starter shot above fifty percent. Now that I'm looking at it, so Porter really is the main culprit. Twenty four minutes for Michael Porter, ten points, four of fifteen from the field, one of five from three. Only got to the free throw line once, made an and one. Actually, oh no, it wasn't an and one. This was a technical free throw that he shot. Excuse me. 
I actually do remember the moment. Three rebounds, two assists, one turnover, and was a minus 21 in his 24 minutes. That's the second highest or a second lowest plus minus on the team to Bones Highland, who played 27 minutes and was a minus 24. We'll talk about why in just a bit. But with Porter, he has a lot of responsibility on him in this particular setup. Everybody wants him to take that next step. They want him to continue to progress, showcase some uh, scoring ability, some individual creation. Not everything is going to be set up on a silver platter without Nikola Jokic, so he's asked to kind of set up a little bit, take some tougher shots. He doesn't have to necessarily take tough shots, but the shots that he's getting are tough because he has struggled, I think, to create for himself uh, throughout his career, and especially lately. So he really struggled once again. The Mavericks weren't doing anything special against him. They put Dorian Finney-Smith on him, who I think is their best defender. But even if it was Reggie Bullock or Luka Doncic or Spencer Dinwiddie or one of their bench guys or whoever, Porter kind of struggled to generate separation, to generate clean shot attempts that you feel good about going in. A lot of the shots that he attempted tonight, they looked like no chancers. And with Porter, sometimes he makes those shots that look like they have no chance. Tonight, it just wasn't good enough. The one three that he did hit was a great run to the corner in transition, where the Nuggets worked the ball into him in the corner, shot it very efficiently, perfect release, perfect swish, looked very good. Unfortunately, it didn't look a lot like that for much of the game. And he struggled to get those clean shot attempts in the flow, feeling good. There was one where he pulled out like, so he had two transition possessions in a row. I think this was in the second quarter with the bench. Two transition possessions in a row where he was struggling already to shoot, grabs the ball in transition. I think it was a rebound. Maybe it was a hit ahead. Dribbles the length of the court, gets a layup, does really well to get to that spot. The Nuggets come up with a stop once again, and Porter gets the ball, dribbles up the floor, has other guys around him and has numbers, but then he just pulls up from 30 feet, shorts the three-pointer by a long way, and then doesn't get back in transition defense, and the Nuggets give up an and one as a result on the other end in transition. These are the kinds of moments where Porter's got to grow. He has to understand when and how to approach scoring. Because sometimes it just doesn't seem like he knows what to do. It seems like the types of shots that he's taking, they're almost record scratches where he's thinking about it. He's thinking about where to get his shots, how to get his shots, what the shot is supposed to look like, and then looking to make the shot. This has to be ingrained in him. It's going to take a while, and I think that he will get better as the year goes along. But there are going to be moments where Murray isn't on the court, Jokic isn't on the court, and Porter is going to be asked to get up some shots because the rest of the offense is going to struggle at various points. There's just no doubt about that in my mind. So he's going to have to have this one way or the other. And the Nuggets are going to have to find ways to help him be successful. 
because right now he looks kind of lost in this particular role. And I'm not really surprised about that. We will talk a little bit more about Porter in the third segment. But in terms of the rest of the lineup, Bruce Brown got the start at point guard. He spent a lot of time defending Luka Doncic. Impossible task, but uh, Bruce Brown's size or kind of lack thereof in this matchup really, I think, uh, was a problem where Luka could just see right over the top of him. I don't think Brown really bothered him in any way, shape, or form. Brown, though, had a really good offensive game. 18 points in 30 minutes, 7 of 12 from the field, 2 of 3 from 3, got to the free throw line, made a couple, had 7 assists compared to 1 turnover, 4 rebounds, 1 steal. It was a productive night. There's no doubt about it. I, I actually feel pretty good about this version of Bruce Brown. When he's asked to play point guard, he can do it. There's no doubt about that. Now, I think the rest of the starting lineup around him, there are definitely some things to worry about. Porter, if he's the number one option, probably not going to work. But if it's Jokic out there and you have to have Bruce Brown, then I kind of like the idea of having Bruce Brown as the primary point guard with the first unit and then having Bones Highland run the second unit show. That was a good decision by Malone, I think. It didn't really work out because I think Denver was at such a major talent disadvantage in this game. But I like how it flowed. I was pleasantly surprised with the way the things actually happened with this team. Not necessarily like perfect, but I did like some of the plays that Bruce Brown had, where he drove into the teeth of the defense, used his athleticism, used his quickness to get to his spots, hit the three-pointers that he needed to, didn't take a ton. And the entire team, uh, Denver starting lineup specifically, didn't take enough threes in order to really space the court. So that was one thing where even though they shot pretty well from two, or at least four of the five guys did, it just wasn't really enough. So it's going to be a process. I have no doubt that uh, Bruce Brown, though, is up for that process. And these minutes, even without Murray and Jokic, are good for Bruce Brown kind of integrating himself to everything that Denver's doing. That's a good thing. KCP, same thing. Honestly, like he has been a glove-in-hand fit or hand-in-glove fit. And in 34 minutes, had 18 points, 7 of 13 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3, scaled up his role in a way that the Nuggets needed him to, and I thought responded reasonably well. Four rebounds, one assist, had a couple deflections on defense, not necessarily like a glowing defensive game from him. But there were definitely some plays where KCP, Bruce Brown, they they excel on the defensive end, make things more difficult for Dallas. Unfortunately, like Spencer Dinwiddie hit all of his shots tonight. Luka Doncic hit the important ones. Reggie Bullock hit two. Tim Hardaway Jr. had three. This was just a really good shooting night for Dallas, a team that doesn't necessarily shoot the ball that well in general. But they made all of the shots that they needed to, and there wasn't even really a contest from most other guys. But I thought that Bruce Brown, KCP, they did their jobs. It's hard to really fault them. Jeff Green, this one's tough because there are so many moments throughout this game where I was very frustrated with Jeff Green. Frustrated with the efforts, the inability to get to certain rebounds. He finished with two rebounds tonight. 
another kind of red flag. Denver lost the rebounding battle tonight, 44 to 36. Part of that was because they missed more shots than the Mavericks did. But Jeff Green was in position to get a lot of offensive rebounds. Or he deflected a a pass but couldn't really get a firm handle on it. He was hovering around there but couldn't necessarily get it done. And this sort of kind of underscores everything about Jeff Green so far this year. Hasn't been bad enough to really notice him, but hasn't been good enough to really make an impact at all. And there were some moments tonight where you think about it, like he posted up Luka Doncic on a couple plays, did pretty well. 12 points on 10 shots, 6 of 10 from the field. That's fine. There's there's nothing wrong with that. But it felt pretty empty. And it's just one of those things where he isn't going to be the reason why Denver wins or loses a championship, I don't think. I'm at that point where you kind of know what Jeff Green is, and I'm not sure what exactly it is that he provides to this team that's a true value add. He's a veteran voice. The consistency of just what he gives, like he's going to give basically the same thing every night. Sometimes he'll get more shots than others, but he's going to be fine. I'm not sure if fine is good enough. I think the Nuggets need somebody who's going to impact the game in one way or another. And I'm just not sure what Jeff Green's doing. And Tonight he had one or two possessions where he defended Luka Doncic pretty well. And then a bunch of possessions where he was slow on a rotation, not necessarily rebounding. The Mavericks didn't exactly grab a whole bunch of offensive rebounds, so it's not like that was a major issue. But Denver, like, they didn't win on the margins, and Jeff Green wasn't really going to help them there. Is that his job too? Probably not, but you probably need somebody else who it is their job. And so it can't just be Bruce Brown every time. It can't just be, I don't know, who else like on this team is more of a hustler. Like Bones is a scorer. MPJ is a scorer. Jamal Murray, Jokic are the stars. Like those guys are, like they have different responsibilities. Aaron Gordon will impact the game that way. Jeff Green just doesn't really. So they missed Aaron Gordon tonight for sure. And then DeAndre Jordan, uh, 20 minutes, three of three. He was only minus six in his 20 minutes. Again, I've, I've said positive things about DeAndre Jordan for much of my time talking about him because I haven't really noticed things that are that bad. I will say that there were some miscommunications on passes on the perimeter where Porter was running one play, DeAndre Jordan was passing to somewhere else. Uh, That seems to happen with DeAndre Jordan a lot. It's not just a Porter problem. But Jordan had seven rebounds, including four offensive, in 20 minutes. Had two assists, one steal, one block. Was only a minus six. Hit all three of his shots. It's like... It's hard for me to really criticize because we'll talk about Zeke in a little bit here, but Zeke Naji in 21 minutes finished with one rebound and four points and one assist, zero steals, zero blocks, and was a minus 18 compared to DeAndre Jordan's minus six. So like, what do you want me to say? Like, it's it's hard for me to really 
bash the dude. He was setting good screens that helped Bruce Brown get free a lot of the time. And I think he calls out a lot of coverages that I thought helped put Denver into a pretty decent position to succeed. It's just sometimes they don't execute it. But it's tough. Like, I, I want to dislike what DeAndre Jordan's been doing for this team. I just don't. I just I think he's been what he is. Kind of like Jeff Green. Do you need somebody better than DeAndre Jordan out there to win a title? Probably. Do you need somebody better than Jeff Green? Probably. I'm starting to view those guys kind of in the same category. Not necessarily one over the other. So, not sure if that's great. Not sure if that's great at all. But what I do know is that neither of those guys are going to start games for Denver when it counts. It'll be Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic in the front court. Things will feel very different going forward when those guys are back. And hopefully we don't have to talk about the Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan starting lineup for a while. That'll be great. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss the bench unit in more depth, especially Bones Highland. We'll be right back. and roll Ryan Blackburn here. And you know what else is back? Football. Football is back and Superbook Sports is excited to tell you that they're bringing Vegas-style wagering to the palm of your hands. And now they'll match 100% of your first bet up to $1,000 no matter if that bet wins or loses. You don't have to be at the stadium to enjoy football this fall. Just visit Superbook.com or download the Superbook Colorado app right now and start getting in on all of the action. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700. All right, let's talk about this bench unit. Let's talk about a unit that's clearly also like it's it's beleaguered and impacted and certainly affected by the injury issues that Denver's facing. Because when Murray and Jokic and Gordon go out, three bench guys are going to be elevated into the starting roles which means you're doing some weird things off the bench. And that was definitely the case tonight with the Nuggets running a lineup, basically, that featured Bones Highland, Christian Brown, Michael Porter, Zeke Naji, and Vlako Chanchar. Zeke playing the five, uh, Bones kind of running the show most of the time. There were times where Porter wasn't out there. Obviously, he only played 24 minutes, so it's not like he was a, a major factor into what they were doing, but it was clearly uh, a bad night for the bench. And there were a lot of reasons for that. I'm not going to fully say, yeah, oh yeah, they they were a massive issue here because you look at the plus minuses for this team, uh, KCP, Jeff Green, Bruce Brown, they're all double digit plus minuses. So it's not like things were going extremely well when the starters were out there either. However, Zeke Naji was a minus 18. In his 21 minutes, Flacco was a minus 19 in 23, and Bones Highland was a minus 24 in 27 minutes. Basically, everything that Denver did tonight did not work. And there's a reason for that. It's because the Mavericks are a good team. They're playing at home. 
They've got all of their players except for Maxi Kleba, who was just not really needed in a matchup like tonight. And they were able to kind of tee off on Denver's bench unit. It's pretty easy to guard Denver's bench right now. Bones Highland, I wrote about this in the postgame recap. He's on his own. He is currently on an island right now in terms of trying to do offensive things. Bones tonight, 17 points, 5 of 16 from the field, 3 of 11 from 3. Did get to the line four times, hit all four. Six assists, three turnovers. And clearly was the focal point tonight off the bench. And clearly the Mavericks knew that. They were going to harass him. They were going to make life difficult for him. And when other guys were out there, they were going to pressure them too and try to get the ball back into Bones' hands. Not necessarily for... Like, because they thought the Bones, like, it wasn't it wasn't about that. It was more so that they were going to pressure the other guys because they knew that those guys weren't going to put the ball on the deck and beat them. So Denver gave it back to the guy that could beat them. And then they would overload on Bones and make life difficult for him. Bones did miss some shots. It's not like he was perfect. And he did also pound the ball a lot in this lineup, but... It's hard for me to blame the dude. It really is. Life is difficult for Bones Highland right now because when he's coming off the bench and you're in a situation where the other guys around you are Zeke Naji, Vlako Chanchar, and Christian Brown, uh, Davon Reed also factored in there too. When it's those guys, the opposing team doesn't care if the ball ends up in their hands. They are not going to be quaking in fear. They are going to be licking their chops. That's sort of how this operates. When Bones is out there, he is a man against the world. And that is a problem for pretty much any bench unit. But with Bones specifically, I knew that this was going to be a thing. If you listen to any of my content, you knew that I thought, okay, Bones probably going to have one of the highest usage rates on the team. Because in the lineups that he's out there, he is going to be the focal point almost every single minute. And that has borne out. That has absolutely happened. And unfortunately, he didn't make his shots tonight. And on the other end of the floor, when it was Luka out there, he got Bones switched onto him so much. And Bones struggled on defense. He was not very good. When he he was in the post, it was bad. When he was just trying to defend a drive from Luca, it was bad. He's not a good defender, and he's going to have to improve on that end. That's not really my major concern right now, though, because Bones' responsibility, his main responsibility, is to prop up an offense that needs him desperately. They just need him so bad. And if he's not good on that end, then it doesn't matter what anybody does on the defensive end. So until Denver gets healthy, Bones is going to be at a disadvantage. He's going to be in a situation where he's creating everything. And it sounds like I'm making a bunch of excuses for him because I I just see it that way. I don't see it as a situation where you can really blame the dude that much. He'll be better. He'll be better in situations where other people can take some responsibility away. In addition, like DeAndre Jordan, 
barely was out there with him, so DeAndre wasn't really screening for him. Bones really benefits from DeAndre Jordan screening. Like, I do think that that's a thing. Zeke Naji could not screen anybody tonight. He could not contact anybody on the screen. It was pretty weak in my mind. There was just not a lot of effort put into that aspect of it. And I think the numbers bear out that way, where Bones is forced to take some tough shots as a result, could not get any easy ones, and the rest of the bench kind of struggles. So if I'm diagramming the bench's struggles out, it is because the rest of the bench could not help Bones at all. Now, whose fault is that? I've diagrammed it as Zeke Naji, at least a little bit. Christian Brown could probably benefit from being a little bit more aggressive. Uh, he has to be confident when he's taking the ball into the rack. And I think that there's a reason why Michael Malone decided to go with Davon Reed instead of Christian Brown in the second unit, because there's just nobody else to create. So I do think that KCP could be out there next to Bones. I think that Bruce Brown could probably be out there next to Bones. He could probably stagger with that second unit. This is probably a short-term issue, though. That's probably the, the biggest hope for Denver, is that this isn't necessarily that big of a deal in the long term. Although, the guys who are coming back into the bench unit are Bruce Brown, Jeff Green, and DeAndre Jordan. So, you're going to get a screener. You're going to get a kind of a combo guard, somebody who can do a little bit of everything in, Bo in Bruce Brown. And then Jeff Green also kind of gives him an outlet. If there's one area where Jeff Green has done well this year, it's to be an outlet for quick isolation scoring, quick post-up scoring, an opportunity for Bones and people like that to take a break because Jeff Green can do what he's got to do. And so there's something to be said for that. I can't believe I'm pining for the Jeff Green, DeAndre Jordan bench line. That, that's not what I was really expecting, but let's talk about Zeke. Uh, 21 minutes tonight, four points, two of two from the field, did not get a lot of shooting opportunities. The Mavericks switch a lot, and so when Zeke's kind of rolling to the rim, slipping to the rim a little bit, he wasn't really a big target to be found in the middle of the floor. Somebody like a DeMarcus Cousins is a little bit of a bigger target there. DeAndre Jordan, a bigger target there. JaVale McGee, who had a pretty good game, bigger target there for sure. Zeke is not that player. The Nuggets have tried to turn him into a screener and roller, screen and dive. I don't understand it. I think that most of what they should run with him involves him picking and popping. And then they can mix in some screen and roll depending on the situation. But I don't understand why Zeke could not get a three-pointer tonight. I don't know if that is a uh, coaching axiom, like where they want him to dive pretty much every time. Or if it's something where Dallas was just switching. He just didn't have any opportunities. Bones took 11 threes and that was the right call. I don't know if, if either of those were the right thing. But what I do know is that Zeke did have a couple of nice possessions on the defensive end. 
Uh, his offensive re- uh, the rebounding wasn't really an issue. Like Christian Wood got a couple offensive rebounds. Josh Green got an offensive rebound, but the Mavericks as a team only got six. So Zeke being in the middle of the floor didn't really affect rebounding for pretty much the second game in a row, uh, at least from a defensive rebounding standpoint. So there is something to be said for that, that Denver has not been burned on the boards the way that one might expect. And it's probably helpful that guys like like Davon Reed grabbed six rebounds in 12 minutes tonight. Christian Brown grabbed four in 13 minutes. When the team gang rebounds and Zeke is just focused on boxing out his man, that's helpful and that's fine. So I do think that Denver can make it work with him, but they've got to get him to screen a little bit better if he is going to dive to the rim. And they've got to get him to pop a little bit more if they do believe in his jump shot. If they don't believe in it, then okay, fine. By all means, screen and roll. But it just seems to me like if they are really force-feeding him as a center, then they're going to want him to pop because one of the allures of that is to have five-out spacing and to be able to create with the floor wide open. Denver didn't really have that opportunity tonight. Flacco uh, had 23 minutes tonight, and I thought he was fine. Not necessarily great, but he did have a couple of good moments here and there. Made the buzzer beater at the end of the first quarter down the left wing on for a three. That was really good. Eight points in 23 minutes, three of seven from the field, one of three from three. Two assists, one steal, only one rebound for him, too. Really, the key was that Denver just couldn't defend. They couldn't defend with that group out there. They couldn't score enough with that that group out there. And honestly, like they just don't have enough athleticism really with that second unit to make plays, to get out in transition, to really move around and punish the Mavericks for whenever they do miss. Now the Mavericks barely missed tonight. They shot 60% from the rim or 60% from the field, 40 from three. They took 28 free throws. This was just an offensive demolition for sure. It was a slow pace, but it was a demolition. And it's tough. It's a tough thing for sure. But I thought that Flacco was fine. It wasn't necessarily his fault why Denver was bad, just as it wasn't Zeke Naji's fault or Bones Highland's fault. But I do think that Denver didn't have a lot of guys that really stood out in a positive way. And Christian Brown, Davon Reed, kind of same thing. Davon, I'm just not really sure what he does on the offensive end right now. Just looks very lost on that end. Doesn't really understand where Denver is trying to use him or how to really impact the game. He should be a three-point shooter. He should be somebody who can create with the ball in his hands a little bit. Didn't really do that tonight. And Christian Brown, four rebounds, two offensive, two defensive. Uh, Had three points. They're right at the end of the game in the final minute. He's just kind of a non-factor offensively right now. And I don't know if that's, like, it's not really by design. They'd like him to get more three-point shots. They'd like to be able to create more good shots. But the overall flow of that bench unit has not been good. Uh, well, it, it wasn't good in this game. It was fine last game. Christian Brown didn't really benefit from that last game. But 
I just wasn't really impressed with the way that Denver handled their business with this bench. It was much better in the last game. Dallas really took advantage of them in pretty much every facet. Christian Wood, uh, Zeke Naji's primary matchup, had 28 points, 11 of 16. Uh, JaVale McGee also played, and, and Zeke did match up with JaVale. That also didn't really go well for him. Is it really his fault in some of those situations? No, because the Mavericks will run heavy pick and roll, and a lot of times it'll just be the low man's responsibility to rotate onto those guys. And when they don't, it's going to look bad for the center. It's kind of the Jokic problem where sometimes it's not his fault when the rotations behind him kind of backfire. So I'm curious to see how this evolves. This was a bad matchup. Denver is going to be better going forward. I do think that they will give a better effort in this next game. Maybe they'll get Aaron Gordon back, but it doesn't sound like they'll get back either Murray or Jokic. So we will see. We will see what it ultimately looks like, but really tough break for Denver to miss their three uh, three starters, including their two-time MVP. And the hope is that they can give a little bit of a better effort next time. But if this game is any indication, this feels kind of like a lost cause. So let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss Michael Porter in just a little bit more depth. We'll be right back. segment pick axing roll thank you so much everybody for tuning in wanted to wrap up by discussing michael porter in a little bit more depth just because he's been the he's been the target in each of the last two games uh, over the last four he had a really bad one against boston had a great fantastic game against chicago just played within his role so well and even expanded upon that and hit some awesome shots it was just in a very good rhythm And Jokic goes out, and Porter, unfortunately, has become very dependent on Nikola Jokic. Over the course of his career, Michael Porter has been asked to change his game. He's been asked to be a different player than I think what he expected to be. He probably expected to be something closer to Carmelo Anthony, Kevin Durant, somewhere in that vicinity where or even Paul George, where you're creating off the dribble as a big wing, uh, creating your shots, hitting outside shots, driving to the rim. You can playmake for others when you're being double teamed. But more than anything, you've just got the ball in your hands a lot. And most of the time, when you have a player who's as talented as Porter, most teams in a developmental situation would put the ball in his hands. They'd have him develop. The Bucks did this with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis wasn't a great, like he, he showed some talent as a ball handler. He showed his ability to see the floor a little bit, but it wasn't anything crazy. And then he got better and got better and got better until suddenly he's the MVP of the league. The same was true, and I'm not trying to compare Michael Porter to Kevin Durant, but honestly, there were 
pretty comparable prospects when they were first coming out in terms of talent level and what the expectation was and how Porter was expected to be one of the top players in the world. And so a player like that, usually they'll take their lumps early. They will learn on the on the fly. They will learn how to create, navigate opposing defenses as well as they can. And they'll see the court and they'll run through all of these reps and they'll have 4,000 reps of pick and rolls over the course of their career or over the like of, of a two to three year stretch. And then they'll get better at what they struggle at. Porter hasn't gone through that. He hasn't gone through that process yet where what he's had to do is he has been asked ever since he got to Denver to be a role player. He's been asked to run to the corner, play defense, take the open shot, pass the ball if you're not open. Uh, Don't try to work outside your bounds too often because we've got a guy in Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray and players like that who are more than capable of handling that by themselves. It is a different responsibility. It's one of those where it's not often you see some of these elite prospects come to a team like Denver where the foundation is so different. It is so drastically different from where he would have gone. Let's say he had gone to, I don't know, the New York Knicks in place of Kevin Knox. They would have given him every opportunity and maybe he would have failed. Maybe he would have struggled, but there's no doubt that he would have been a better ball handler and creator had he gone to another team. Now he's working through the process now of trying to blend what was his ultimate talent level with what the Nuggets have asked him to do. And so far this season, he's done a great job when Jokic has been out there of playing the role that he was asked to play. He's a great floor spacer. He operates the DHO game pretty well. He's been cutting. He's been running in transition. He has been doing a lot of good things, and he deserves credit for that. So it shouldn't be a surprise to anybody that Michael Porter might struggle with a role that he was never asked to do in a Nuggets uniform. How do you go from being basically a glorified spot-up shooter to playing like Carmelo Anthony on the fly. How can you? Like, it's got to be really difficult. It takes a long time. It takes a lot of reps to perfect his craft, to understand what he's good at, what he needs to get better at. Because I'm not going to lie, he doesn't look anywhere close to the version of the player that I think everybody expected him to be, where he's iso-dribbling, He is not necessarily hijacking possessions, but he's like catching the ball at the nail or in the mid post, operating with his footwork, really just just working on it. He's a bucket, absolute bucket. He isn't that player. That's just not who he is at this point. And so the Nuggets to ask him then when all of their stars get injured to then try to become that player, it's tough. That's That's a really tough place to be. So the Nuggets at this stage are in a really tough spot. They know that Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray is their main formula. Their two-man game, 
You can surround those guys with defense, with spot-up shooters, with cutters, and you'll probably be good. But in the moments where Jokic isn't on the court, the Nuggets know that they can't bleed points. Not just from a defensive standpoint, but they'll have to be able to score. They'll have to find ways to create offense. And unfortunately, the Nuggets just traded away Monte Morris, Will Barton, guys like that, that would have operated as creators off the bench. Now, Bones can do some of those things. There's no doubt about that. And honestly, Denver might ultimately have Jamal do this, where he gets into that place. He's creating offense for himself and others, trying to run a healthy stuff. And I am curious to see what that ultimately looks like for Denver when Michael Porter's out there doing it, when Jamal Murray's out there doing it, and if Denver can get Porter to a place where he could do both the spot-up stuff and the isolation pick-and-roll kind of stuff. Because the way the game is trending, and has been trending for a long time, the easiest way to just generate good shots is to have a good pick-and-roll player. Somebody who can run pick-and-rolls, high pick-and-roll, can dribble the ball up the court, can dribble into sets, read the defense, and if they're open, take a shot off the dribble. They could drive, they could dish it off, they could swing it to the opposite side if the defense collapses. Porter can't do those things right now. I'm not saying that he can't or that he never will, but right now, he isn't. And this is Denver's problem when you pay somebody like this a max contract, expecting him to be able to evolve into somebody who can do both of those things. But honestly, you've only ever coached him up to do one. You've only ever asked Porter to be the role player. And so now Denver's going to have to go through this growing phase where you try to get the best of both out of him. I think it's pretty clear based off of the first 15 games that Porter can do the first one. He knows how to do the first one. The challenge for Denver is getting him to be able to do the second one consistently. I shared the stat online today. This will change after tonight's results. But Porter, when he's on the floor with Jokic, averages like 31 points per 100 possessions, which is a strong number. It's not like full-on superstar or anything, but it's pretty strong. But he does it on 70% true shooting, which is superstar-esque. When he when Jokic is not on the floor, and Porter is, that number drops from 31 points per 100 to 21 points per 100. So the rate at which he's scoring is not as high, and the true shooting is 50.8 as opposed to 70.4. So that number's going to get even more stark after tonight's game. And to me, that is a pretty strong indicator of what I'm talking about that Porter has not been asked to be a scorer pretty much at all. Like, he'll do it naturally when Jokic is out there, and he'll be able to create his his offense through off-ball movement, 
somebody finding him running the DHO game. But asking DeAndre Jordan to do that, asking Jeff Green to do that, asking Zeke Naji to do that, while Porter's out there, that's a fool's errand. So, it's another reason, maybe, to go get somebody else who can run DHOs as a backup big man. Somebody like a Kelly Olynyk or somebody comparable who can run DHOs really well, who can develop some chemistry, and can help Porter create some of those shots that he gets with Jokic on the floor. Because if he can do that pretty consistently, that'll help everybody tremendously. If not, then Denver's going to have to figure out how best to use Porter when Jokic isn't out there. And if the answer is just Porter has to share minutes with Jokic all the time, then there are going to be minutes where Porter can't be out there at all because there are going to be some times where Jokic's defense plus Porter's defense is just intolerable in a playoff setting. So I'm thinking ahead to that. I'm thinking long-term on this. In the short term, without Jokic in the next game, I hope we see some developments. I hope you, uh, Porter can kind of see some comfort level in some of the shots that he's taking. But more than anything, just want to see him get some opportunities to really grow because the only way that he is ever going to reach his full potential is if he grows in this capacity too. We'll see if he can. All right. That is going to do for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll brought to you by Superbook Sports. I am going to take tomorrow off. And then on Sunday, we are going to discuss the next Nuggets Mavericks game, which should be, hopefully it's a little bit better to talk about than this one. I'm I'm really hoping so. That would be great. But we will see. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support. As always, talk to you guys very soon. Thank you.